Hi, this is Liam Sharp. I'm the artist on the recent Green Lantern run with Grant Morrison and Batman Reptilian with Goth Ennis. I'm here talking about 11 o'clock comics. Have a good time. to make you do it again because that was really wow. good yeah one and done yep yeah I have a suggestion mm. yeah for uh, New York Comic Con oh like off air or on air no I think it's an on air okay we can gauge the uh, reception uh, okay. I don't think too many people are going to be against it let's just say oh okay so we'll see Oh, but you're okay. You're not gonna tell them. No, well, be on air, but not right now. But they won't hear it now. They oh, will in a couple oh, seconds. Oh, these these oh. newbies. Newbie noobs. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock comics, episode eight hundred and thirteen, my friends, and I'm Vince B. <laughs> <laughs> you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. You are, and I'm the Corinthian. Oh, that's nice. You're too nice of a person to be the Corinthian. I think so. Don't be dogging yourself. You're not the Corinthian. You're Jason Wood, everybody, here on this regular episode. That's a good thing. No books of the month, no agenda. We're just going to kick back and talk about comics for about seven and a half hours. So buckle up. Buttercup. Yeah, and we'd like to thank the people that make all this possible, and that's our Butamus patrons. Yeah, if you go on over to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one one, no apostrophe, take a look around. Landscapes hopping. We have audio, video, images, downloads, polls. You can participate in the book of the month and best of all the dedicated slack channel where we all gather each and every day to talk complain cry hug whatever we feel like that's the beauty of it so if you would like to uh maybe join the club go on over to patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics we would love 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 to have you yep yes sir well my suggestion I don't think I don't think you two are gonna like it. Wait, wait, you can't. Okay, you tell us before we go live. Oh, I got something for New York Comic Con. Like, let's hear it. And you're like, oh, I think nobody's gonna not not want to do it. We're like, great. Then you we go live and you start the thing by saying that neither Dap nor I are gonna like it. You probably won't. But that's the well, why on earth are you gonna suggest it then? Well, I want to see. I want to gauge your reaction. You're gonna make us enemies of the people. No, 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 no. Here, you want to hear it or you want me to just keep it silent? Yeah, of course I do. I think we should record on Tuesday night. And not Wednesday. Oh, not do it live. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm fine with that, but why? Oh, because of the sound? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, my God, but you said yeah. last. Oh. We'll see. No, that's fine. No, you should, you should just think about it. If if the cards fall in our favor. Well, uh, I mean, we could do other things Tuesday night, I'm Wednesday saying, night. We don't got to record an episode. We can just record right. just kicking back. Right, so we'll do we'll, we'll do the episode Tuesday, but but still bring your I'll still bring the mic. You bring your equipment, and and we'll still do something. We'll we'll, we'll do tests on Wednesday. Yeah, because I mean, New York is is home base. Yes, it's the mm-hmm. comfortable, laid back con, 
and that's why I love it. So right. um, there's no agenda. We're just winging it the whole weekend, right. we, which allows us to produce more content. Um, the thing about Heroes is even though it is by far a superior show, we don't get that 20, 30-minute drive to and from the Very con cool. every day, which facilitates audio recording. We get to talk about stuff. We can't do that in Heroes. So... Um, New York Comic Con, the patrons will get, I'm guessing, anywhere from three to five hours of audio. That's you. That's around our norm, mm-hmm. that bracket. So, uh, yeah, the, I, I just can't wait. But just think about it. You don't have to get all. I already said it's good. All right. Don't get twisted. Hilarious. We we both were like, yeah, cool. And then he's like, no, no, no. You guys think think hard about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm con- I think you should bring a couch because I'm constantly yeah. being analyzed. Yeah, you are. It's, mm-hmm. Well, listen, you know, I'm, I'm an analyst. That's what I, that is my nature. I, that, that is what I, I analyze myself. I analyze other people, analyze situations. That's what I do. Yeah, but I'm analyst proof. I don't subscribe. You are not. You're, I, 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 I've, I've figured you out like a Rubik's Cube in three minutes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right, then. Karnak, what am I drinking? Probably Yingling. No. I'm drinking... The world's best coffee. Oh, uh, McDonald's. Two giant Mac Dizzle McDonald's coffees. Yes. There you go. I uh, I actually was gonna have some wine tonight, but uh, because of my bad tooth, I'm on the antibiotics, so no alcohol for me. Ah. I have uh, I have some iced coffee actually, um, homemade iced coffee. That sounds good. It is good. A little oat milk. You know how we do, but yeah. Nice. Uh, I am enjoying a sidecar. Oof. Now, let me remind me what's in the the said sidecar. A sidecar is, well, typically cognac. In this case, it's it's whiskey. But uh, orange liqueur, uh, lemon juice. It's um, it's it's kind of similar to a whiskey sour, just maybe not as soury, but there's still um, it's it's very similar in looks and in the slight taste. But uh, but yeah, the cognac typically, or bourbon or, or whiskey rather, uh, lemon juice and triple sec. Huh. Okay. F- FYI, mm-hmm. my uncle had an extensive cognac collection. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, because my cousin has to liquidate his assets for the estate. Um, there are some bottles that are going for like 10, 12 grand a piece. Jesus. Yeah, it's a, that's some cognac, huh? Mm-hmm. There's business. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Cool. All right. Let's get to talking some comics. Well, uh, why don't you want you get us going? I don't want to start. I want. Well, you know what? This is a good idea. Good idea. Very good idea. Because I don't want to. I don't want to spend too too much time on this. Okay. Because uh, this trade paperback collects the first six issues of this uh, (laughs) recently released series. The artists are Brett Booth, Kevin Keane. Thomas Notchlick and Philip Tan, although he's not inked by himself. So, it, the inkers: Adelso Corona, uh, Sal Regla, Jonathan Glypian, 
and Daniel Hendricks. Hendricks. And, of course, Tom Orzachowski did the lettering. Additional plot by Alesh Cote. That's kind of fun. Andrew Dahlhouse, Ivan... There's like a ton of colorists on this. Andrew mm-hmm. Dahlhouse, Ivan Nunez, Nikos Koutsis uh, of Savage Dragon fame, Marcello Izzoli, Marcello Melo, and Mr. Placencia also contribute color art to this. Um, to cite the writer is, I think, giving the person who did the actual writing a little bit too much credit. Okay. Uh, it's it's Gunslinger Spawn. Ah, indeed. Yeah. And and while, you know, Todd's status as an illustrator of renown, I think is beyond reproach. I don't think anybody's going to ever question his ability uh, drawing, right? But as a writer, um, yeah, our, our buddy leaves a lot to be desired. I said on the Slack, he's the Tommy Wiseau of words <laughs> and that's real i think that's really close to the point um he seems to be convinced that every idea that he puts down on paper is the most brilliant thing ever created like there's a, i give him this there's an enthusiasm to the story or or, or i i can perceive um some kind of enthusiasm on the part of the the writer because it, it, characters are so bombastic and it's like we're gonna fight yeah like that's that passes for you know that's a narrative high point in in gunslinger we're gonna fight or or um i'm from hell and i've come to get you and you're really important so don't screw around and it's like okay um I guess I won't screw around. Like that's that's the peak. I'm being kind of facetious, but that's really the peak of Todd's writing prowess. It's it's just uh, you got the gunslinger spawn who's wanted by both heaven and hell. Uh, All the gunslinger wants to do is get back home because, like Al and Wanda, gunslinger lost someone, and he's trying to go back in time. To re to right that wrong, but he needs these gates that have recently popped up in Spawn. He needs the the access to the gates, and the only one that has access to the gates is, you know, the OG Spawn. So um, somewhere along the line, I, like I abandoned the regular title about fifteen issues ago, right? Somewhere along the line, the clown and the violator have split into two very distinct entities kind of cool i like that a little bit but um the uh the clown has a uh an army of tiny clowns with him they they're diminutive little little clowns and you know they look just like him with the the turquoise and black uh facial treatment and the you know the the girth and the blazing red eyes but dap you may think this is cool i kind of think it is as well the um clown's army these creatures are all animated by the tormented souls of billy kincaid's victims wow yeah that's kind of cool i'll give i'll give todd that that's a very good idea but 
it's I, I mean I read six issues of this and it's just it's fighting then it's not fighting then it's fighting there's it really doesn't go anywhere it's just it it goes from from point A to point B there's a a, a young lady uh, I believe her name's Dakota that can summon dinosaurs. And who doesn't want to see Brett Booth draw a dinosaur? Well, I, I want to see him draw a dinosaur. Uh, there seems to be some kind of legacy attached to this young man. Uh, Todd is, is smart enough to make one of his main protagonists a young man, uh, 20-something. And um, he, he's of a family that has impacted the gunslinger in a very, very negative way. So dad is uh, the, this, this young man. His father is making deals with, uh, the, you know, the, the, the denizens of, of, of heaven and hell. And, and does, he doesn't give a shit about his son. His son is just an annoyance. Uh, I learned something uh, from this. In order to kill one of the celestial hosts, you have to shoot him in the head. They're kind of like zombies, I guess. But it's drawn really well, and I would be lying if I didn't say I had fun reading it. But it's I'm surprised you showed such restraint with the big, you know, Todd proclaiming it was going to be the greatest connected universe in comics and all that. Like, you didn't really well, I mean, all in. No, I didn't. And, and I'll be honest, I'm curious. You can't read an ongoing for 315 issues and not be curious to see what the creator's doing now. But I don't even think he's re he's writing the main Spawn book. He's not writing that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I haven't read Scorched. Uh, I took a little peek at King Spawn, but uh, you can't get it out of your blood. I mean, at least I can't. I was a, a fan f uh, for a long, long time. Of course. And, yeah, it's just... You're not the only one, dude. I mean, look, look at how much... The Todd Father's original art goes for right, and and uh, the the visuals on this are are pretty cool, but they're they're in that they're very much lodged in that mm -hmm. that classic Spawn aesthetic, right? There, there's yeah. no there's no stretching going on here, but I didn't expect there to be right. And I would love to get him on the show. I mean, no, me too. I, I have nothing against the guy, but a writer he's not. I mean, we knew that. No, no. We knew that from day one on on Torment. Like, Make some toys though. Oh, he sure can. Well, he can pay people to make toys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wish I could. I could pick a a, a little bit of the, you know, the average. What passes f for the average dialogue in this thing? And I don't want to, you know, belabor the point. But uh, Gunslinger's talking to. Uh, well, he's he's throwing down with with. Uh, the clown i learned long ago trust no one especially your kind you think i'm a fool and fools like much larger uh point size than the, uh, the surrounding type the moment i help you open the gates to hell i'm a dead man i know you'll never share your powers and i'm not going to get used like one of your damn pets and uh to be honest todd thinks a comma is a period because there is some sentences that have like 50 words and there should be maybe four sentences and he uses the comma to just break it up. And it's it's weird. It's odd. It's like someone, It's like the Michael Jackson syndrome. It, it seems that someone is afraid to tell Todd that yeah, you're using that, 
that little punctuation thing wrong, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm, whatever. I'm sure he's he's um, made money on this thing, and good for him. I'll keep reading it. I'm 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 a sucker. I uh, I at the shop. I said, you know, when the when the scorch trade comes out and the uh, the king spawn trade, yeah, why not? They're only nine bucks. It's nine ninety nine for six issues. Like I'm not breaking the bank on this thing. So I guess the foolish one is me because I'm going to still keep throwing money at Todd. <laughs> well, now see, I don't know how foolish you are because this could kind of go towards a a interesting segue because for example we know um jason may not be talking about it much but jason is still following the adventures of the avengers under jason aaron yes um and so so obviously jason is an avengers fan and an x-men fan but in this case he's an avengers fan vince of course anything todd does but you know spawn is you know tickles your heart so there are things obviously we will always we, we will at least check out in some cases yeah we'll continue a run but we'll at least check out some like like vince recently read the slot fantastic four i went back and read the the paul robinson run that the leonard kirk penciled so mm-hmm. we tend to eventually go back to at least what we enjoy just to check things out we may not stick with it but at least we want to know hey how did this fare under someone else's hands um so i recently read the uh the first few issues of the current ghost rider run um oh, which yeah. is uh is it johnny blaze thankfully yes there you go. looking an awful lot like danny catch though the, 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 so. the, yeah, yeah it's but it's it's written by benjamin piercy um or percy rather and uh for the most part penciled by Corey Smith for the first oh, that's my five dog. issues. Okay. Yeah, I, I I thought his Nova run was great, and and it, it, he he changed the style up a little bit. But you also have um, some uh, Brent Peoples peeking in every once in a while. Uh, so he's not drawing complete issues for all five, but uh, the, the the styles are pretty complimentary. So it's not it's not too jarring. But yes, it is it is Johnny Blaze. Um, and he is uh he's got some baggage with him he I, 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 at some point i guess he crashed and burned and he keeps fiddling with this scar in the back of his head behind his uh behind his right ear kind of snaking around um but as the issues continue the scar kind of opens up and you'll see things like eyeballs or a tongue there's just something going on in his head okay so like dr strange's dinner Yes. Um, and it, Johnny's dealing with some shit. He's, he's, uh, he, he's kind of, you know, he's, I'll say he's married. He's, uh, I mean, we start the series off. He's, he's talking to a shrink, but, um, but he's having, you know, he's having some nightmares. He wakes up and, and, you know, Hayden's falls is where he's living now. It's a safe town. And, um, you know, he goes and, uh, he, he talks about, um, he does mention, you know, so a few months ago, he wrecked his bike, uh, took a tumble, dragged for about, you know, 50 yards after the crash. And uh, so he fractured his skull, severe concussion, hematoma, bad swelling on the brain, two surgeries. So ever since then, he says things haven't been right physically, emotionally or mentally. Um, 
so you know um he's got memory gaps paranoia there's little things that annoy him uh but he's got a family and a community that cares about him apparently he um he runs or he works at uh at the garage with um it's called uh it's called uh crash and blaze auto shop and and um i think crash is his father-in-law but um there are some other things that are going on like the neighbor has a very yappy dog and um after uh johnny leaves the shrink the um the sheriff comes rolling by um asks him where he's headed and uh no blaze is just like listen i'm just walking you know no big deal he's like well I want to let you know that uh, I paid a visit to your neighbor and uh, she'd been calling for a dog all morning. And um, it's, uh, you know, she, she hadn't seen him since last night. She goes out to get the mail and opens up the, uh, the mailbox and the dog is like just shoved in the mailbox. Oh, and, yeah. Right. So, you know, again, not sure if maybe that's Johnny who did that. Um, but the sheriff's got some questions. Johnny's just kind of wallowing in uh in his self-pity but while all that's going on we cut to the fbi headquarters because um there's a uh there's there's this fbi agent wilmer who is um getting a uh a new partner because um shield has been dissolved so um she's a former shield agent um and uh her her name is uh talia warroad <laughs> and she um she's she's very goth and uh she can kind of just she seems to sense evil be aware of evil so that's that's her shtick and so these two are going to um are on the road to uh get johnny blaze and um we also end up um it's, the first issue ends, and um, while Johnny's talking to the shrink, um, I don't know if this is a vision, but the doctor is just all of a sudden turning into some crazy-looking um, Cronenberg-type creature. Um and he's obviously hallucinating because he jumps up off the couch. He's like, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, and, and she freaks out. She's like, yeah. the panel shows her as human. And she's like, oh, please don't hurt me. And he's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I'm going to go now. She's like, I think that's a good idea. And um, he's just talking to himself as he's muttering to himself as he's walking home. There's no such thing as monsters. He gets into the house. He sees his wife and kids. And she looks like a demon. They look like a demon. He runs into the bathroom and throws up. He starts to taking shots of whiskey um he uh he grabs she gets in his face he grabs her arm she slaps him um and uh he's like and she scratches his face and he's like i, I don't remember giving you that ring and she's like what are you trying to say like you can't even remember what you had for breakfast yesterday bro like i don't i don't expect you to remember a ring you might have given me so he's like let me see that ring and she's like you're scaring me she pulls out a knife and um and there's a knock at the door and some dude named Zeb is there. Never trust and, a dude named Zeb. 
and he's got he's just he's a freaky looking dude he's got wings on the back of his uh or painted wings on the back of his uh, leather trench coat the whole town is behind him and blaze is demanding like to know who he is he's like i'm a scout sent by a group of night magicians to find you and uh all of a sudden now blaze backs him up backs zeb up into the yard and sheriff sheriff ripper comes roaring through and crashes um into a tree with zeb in between the car and the trunk of the of the tree and 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 the sheriff's just like everybody can go back to their homes now zeb kind of shakes off the crash and um and reaches out for blaze's hand and um he says you know I, I when when you went dark, Johnny Blaze, the whole world went to hell, and I'm going to show you, and I need to show you the innocents who have suffered while you were away. And all of a sudden, um, there's this one page splash page of just crazy shit happening, and 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 Johnny's kind of witnessing this, um, and Zeb's like, "You got to come back to us, uh, come back to us if the spirit moves you." And then like he kind of turns into the crow and just flies away. And, um, and the doctor's screaming to Johnny, like, are you all right? Who are you talking to? Have you been taking your pills? And crash from the garage is like, Johnny, it'll be okay. We're going to take care of you. And even his wife's like, come back. We, we, we need you. We love you. And he, um, he grabs the knife that his wife had slices her fingers off she she kind of becomes a demon and then he picks up the ring from one of the fingers that he cut off and um and he he throws it into a fire and it's just it, it's just just finally the spirit of vengeance shows up so finally we get the ghost rider he's looking around he sees nothing but all these demons over here he demands to know who put him in this in, in this situation um and and the demon dances that was his wife is, is begging Johnny don't leave us. And he's like, Johnny's gone now. There's, there's only the ghost rider. And, um, and so he starts fighting all the demons gets on his bike and, and just rides away. And then for the next couple of issues, it's kind of like a, a, um, almost like a beast of the week kind of thing where he, he goes to a, um, he checks into a motel that's, um, built above and, um, in a cave and the proprietor, has hidden hallways and, and is like peeking. He's got two way mirrors. So he's checking out all the guests as he, as, as he's just wandering. And, um, he ends up, uh, kind of going after, um, it looks like he, I, I kind of think he's a cannibal. There's a little girl involved. Um, it's, there's a lot of freaky shit going on. Um, in this book and and while the fbi agents are after him to find out what the hell's going on the funniest thing um was in the fifth issue where there's a um it's a race and um the race is called hell's backbone and he um it's kind of like where the spirit of vengeance where, where the writer has been taking Johnny, this is this is where like all the roads have been leading to. So he goes to Hell's Backbone Rally, and he pulls up, and the craziest thing: everybody who's in the, the characters, 
the list of, of, of A to Z list characters all on motorcycles about to take place in this race. You've got Blade, you've got Dracula, you've got Rhino, you've got Man Thing on some green looking motorcycle. You've got Doctor Doom, like Doctor Doom's gonna like take hmm. take time away and take and go on this race. You've got um uh um Bloodstone's daughter, you've got uh Wolverine. You've got some Iron Man looking dude back here. Moon Knight is here. So you've got all these all, all, all these characters about to take this about to go on this race. Um and basically the whole thing is kind of like just to they only want Ghost Rider. They're only after Blaze. And you know, Wolverine gets involved because he wants to wants to save his friend. And that's that's the other thing that goes on through it is that, you know, all Blaze keeps talking about is, you know, people forgot about me, they didn't know I was around, or they they didn't come looking for me, so basically to hell with everybody, I'm on my own. Um now it doesn't matter who my friends were. Apparently I don't have any friends now. And he's it's it, it, there's a lot of woe is me in these first few issues. Um and then in between the um the the fifth and sixth issue sixth issue i don't think is out yet but there's a um there's an anthology special uh vengeance forever written by percy drawn by um juan jose rip and it talks it, it talks about all the well there's a writer from the uh is it the the late 1800s there's a uh, earlier Johnny Blaze story. There's a Danny Ketch story. Uh, there's a uh, Jaime Reyes story. Um, and then a Ghost Rider 2099. Very short story. But it, it's interesting because it's about a tattoo artist who's drawing on, on Johnny's skin and they're telling all different Ghost Rider stories. Um, Shades of Ray Bradbury. A little bit. And and I mean, it, it's 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 gory and it's violent. And um, I think Percy's having fun with the character. It, it's, it's weird. I mean, I enjoy the the original run that ended with uh Bobadiansky writing and drawing the character and you know he kind of Johnny Blaze kind of just drove away and in, in out into the sunset because he was happy and he fought off Mephisto and um and then we had no ghostwriter for a while until the 90s when we got Danny Ketch um and you know Howard Mackey had fun with the character as well and I don't think we re- and I I enjoyed the Daniel Way started series but then that really was on and popping once jason aaron came on and that said that i think is what a lot of people at least a lot of current readers but i think a lot of people really enjoyed jason aaron's take on ghost rider um and that's kind of what i compare right or wrongly i compare most ghost rider stories these days to what Jason Aaron did, because that was the last time I really, really enjoyed Ghost Rider. Um, but it's, I, 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 I'm kind of digging what, what Percy's doing with this kind of, um, you know, yeah, there, there's, he's got the plot line going with the FBI agents chasing him down. There's been, um, in the fifth issue, there was a pretty big revelation regarding one of the agents. And, um, and there's Zeb with the night magicians. There's a whole lot going on. that's going to culminate, um, soon but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm glad i gave it a shot i you know it, it could have gone one way or the other but it's um it's an interesting take it's it's um you know because it's it's neat that he's kind of just i mean with the exception of this rally it it's it's been a solo book and he's kind of just on his own kind of like the way you'd like 
the Punisher in 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 the Max storylines, where you know he's not bogged down with the craziness of of the MC of the Marvel Universe. He's just doing his own thing and dark and brooding, and that's that's kind of the way this version of Ghost Rider works. In that he's not um, he's not driving through downtown Manhattan and worrying about whether or not some superhero is going to fight him or ask him what he's doing there and kind of make it silly, even though I just mentioned everybody who was in this rally and that's kind of silly on its own. But it, I, I, I dig this approach where, you know, he's kind of uh, almost like a, a nocturnal spirit driven detective where he's, he's cracking cases and, and, uh, bringing evildoers to justice, although his, his version of justice, but it's, it's neat. And the art, the art kind of fits as well. The, the, the rip stuff is a little clean for, um, for the story, just because you know, you know what his style is like, but, um, there's a lot of detail because there's a lot of characters in these stories. So it works, but yeah, I figured, like I said, I gave it a shot and, um, I'm going to stick with it for now, but, um, it just reminded me with, with when Vince talking about Spawn that uh, there are just some things that we kind of we can't say no to or we're going to be drawn to and whether or not we stick with it, we'll see. But we always kind of go back to it. Yeah, those, uh, those, those some habits are hard to break, you know? Yeah. Well, Vince, this may have unintentionally been an image founder's O-Rama tonight. Nice. I know what you read. Oh, yeah. Well, you saw the list, yeah. Yes. Um, this was a Kickstarter, uh, and our boy Brian Vander, shout out, hit me up on the communication channels and said, uh, Woodrow, because I just sent me a picture of He's like, do you, do you get this? Do you back this? And I'm like, oh, bro, I didn't do the Kickstarter. And he was right. I was right. I didn't. But I did, however, pre-order it when it was solicited in previews, probably that same month is my guess. Um, and that is the complete... Cyberforce Volume One, of course, published by Top Cow, aka the uh, Mark Silvestri imprint that is a uh, part of Image Comics proper. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of times, I mean, depending on your age, and I think, well, not just depending, but but it, largely based on your age, certain things mean something to you and and or don't. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the, the, the nineties image explosion and, you know, what came after it, which was a lot of not so good stuff. And, but, uh, but with great excitement, I think, because we were there for it, we kind of lived it. And, um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where the idea of early image and the excitement we had for it far superseded an objective critique of the work itself. And I'm not saying all of it, but I mean like like in average, the average the average thing that was coming out of Image in those those four or five years, um, you know, was uh, was not the kind of stuff that ages particularly well, right? Um, and, and I'm sure some people are sitting here thinking, well, yeah, just like Cyberforce. And listen, uh, you know, is Cyberforce going to be remembered in the annals of comics history as like great great comics? No, but it had been a really long time since I give any thought to. Uh, to Sylvester super team. And I got to say first, the, the, my first reaction to this is that I sometimes forget how good Sylvester is or was, but no, is, I guess still is, but I, I haven't read anything. Of it. But 
like when I look back at a lot of the art from that period, it's all got that very similar style, you know, overly muscular, lots of action poses, lots of people floating in midair, coming at each other, big splashes. I mean, all the kinds of things that are endemic of that time that they all helped shape. But I forgot how great looking Sylvester is. I really was so tickled to be looking through this book again and seeing all of the, 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 the Sylvester line work. I, I he, he's, He's, like, much, much tighter than I remember, you know. Um, and, like, I think a couple of years ago we had a little fun where we were riffing on who we thought the best image founders were artist-wise. And I don't remember where I put Silvestri, but I probably put him too low. Um, so this is volume one because it uh, it's it collects um, the original miniseries, one through four, uh, Cyber Force Zero Issue, uh, the ongoing, which ran for 35 issues, but this is uh, 1 through 13, and then um, one-shot origin issues for Cyblade and Striker, and the first ever, the first annual, annual number one. Um, for those that don't know, Cyber Force is a team, in, in this world there are mutants, it's interesting that he used the term mutants, um, I would imagine he probably couldn't do that these days, but uses the term mutants, and um, they uh, they're in a world where a lot of the most powerful mutants are recruited, nay, captured and brainwashed into being government operatives. Uh, the uh, titular cyber force are a group of some of the early uh, most powerful members uh, that were um, basically broke free and now are kind of fighting for themselves and to free uh, to free the other oppressed peoples of this uh, of this world and. The members are uh, such memorable characters as uh, Velocity, Ballistic, Cyblade, Heatwave, Impact, Striker, and uh, and everyone's favorite Wolverine ripoff, Ripclaw. Um, and uh, it was a blast, man. Like I sat down and read the whole thing. This is not deep reading, you know. You don't need to spend a tremendous amount of time on each, uh, you know. On, on <laughs> this is not going to like reel you in, and you have to, you know, go back and forth and really make sure you don't miss anything. This isn't Sandman. Uh, this is just 90s action goodness of a bunch of badass-looking characters with with ridiculous powers taking up a lot of space on the page, fighting other badass characters, most of which you'll never hear from again, all also looking pretty cool. Some of which are knockoffs of Marvel and DC characters, some not so, but either way, they look badass. And uh, I just had a little, I just had a to- total ball just doing that little nostalgia walkthrough. Um, and checking it all out. I will say highlights, aside from the Sylvester art, which is the most prominent, the Zero issue, uh, for those that don't remember, was uh, drawn by none other than Walt Simonson, which uh, that was fun because I hadn't remembered that. So it was neat to see Walt drawing something like, you know, you don't think of Walt as having anything to do with with uh, that portion of comics history, but there he was. So, uh, yeah, so, and it, this is widely available. Like I said, it's been in previews. I think it's 50 bucks cover, so probably like 30, 35 bucks from the various and sundry places you might get discounts. And uh, if you feel like uh, scratching that that 90s itch, or you've heard a lot of old heads like us talk about the 90s revolution and you haven't seen much of it, I would say Wild, you know, I mean, I would say Cyber, Cyber Force is right, you know, is right up there visually with, with, with the best of the bunch. Story-wise, you know, again, it, this is not... It's not too deep here, but uh, but I had a lot of fun uh, going back into those waters. Well, the image founders themselves, I don't, 
I can't speak for Jim Lee, but most of them claim Silvestri is the best draftsman. Right. Yes, they do. Yeah. 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 they do. Yeah. Especially Larson. Larson's the first one to say, yeah, Silvestri's the dude. He, he can outdraw all of us. Yep. Yeah. I like Silvestri stuff a lot. I think. Well, I mean, I would, I mean, if we're, do, if we're redoing it or if we're going to do it over, I would, I would put, uh, it's hard. I would probably put Larson first. I hope I put him first the first time. Uh, then Jim. Uh, but then probably Sylvester. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You you put Larson over... Yeah, he's the only one of these guys other than Liefeld that I own art from. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Well, of course, it's a qualifier in that why, like, why would I buy art, expensive right. old art? If I yeah, I guess, I guess you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, no, I know we're th- you're thinking, why, why, why don't I say Liefeld? I, I mean, I, we talked about this. Liefeld is my most beloved because he created characters that I, to this day, adore. But but ju- I'm just talking about, like, a draftsman? Like, if I go back and look at the work? No, I mean, Rob would be probably last in that list. Nice. Would, don't you think? I, I mean... Well, I, I think he should be. Yeah. I, uh... I think Valentino's well if you just go down the list, Valentino's better than Rob, in my eyes. I, I like Rob's stuff, but I, I appreciate Valentino's stuff more. Mm. Right? And then it just goes to the stratosphere from there. Like how do you discern obviously Larson's my number one, right? right. I'd have to put Todd at number two. Sure. And then Jim Lee. No, then Silvestri and then Lee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. I can't put put Jim out of the top three just because. But but yeah, I, I mean, I hear it. I mean, yeah. It's all subjective. It very much is, and it all depends. Guys, I mean, like the Cyber Force mean anything? Did you guys read it at all? Oh yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. Well, I didn't know if that was that period. I know there was that window of time after you had like you just weren't buying comics you didn't have. But, no, it wasn't for a couple years after that. I was I was all in at the uh, at the image start. I mean, listen, I mean, I know, like, like, and, and I should have mentioned that in this run, um, listen, I mean, the, I didn't talk about the plot much, but the, the, basically the, the first, the miniseries is, is introducing you to this concept, and it's mainly Velocity has recently escaped from this, the clutches of, uh, of, of the, this, you know, this government agency, and, and, and the soups that are, that are at that agency now are trying to track her down, and, and obviously the cyber force are trying to, to, keep her free and bring her aboard. Um, she become, ends up becoming a core member of the team. And then the, the, uh, the, the second arc of the, of the main series is probably the most famous and probably where a lot of people know cyber force. I mean, it was a crossover between cyber force and wildcats. Yes. And, uh, and that's dope as hell. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I, and we'll probably, I'll probably talk about this in a month or two when it arrives, but, but I mean, wildcats is my shit. I, I, that, I'm, Cyber Force is not Wildcats um, on a lot of levels. I think there were better stories with Wildcats. There were, I mean, certainly the the, the artists right up there, and and um, and there was more Wildcats stories in general. But but I, it was a lot of fun seeing those two teams, uh, you know, in, in in the same book. And it, it was it was back and forth. So some of the issues were were Jim Lee drawn, and some were Sylvester drawn. Yeah. And one thing I'd forgotten is that uh, Sylvester's brother wrote the original miniseries. Yeah, Eric. I don't recall yeah. that either. Yeah. Yeah, Eric Silvestri, so. 
I was really deep into Cyberforce. Like, I even bought the Ripclaw miniseries. Yeah. Uh, I think there was, like, two or three of them. or one, one, one was a miniseries and became an ongoing or whatever the case. Like, Velocity, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I bought yeah. all that. Yeah. And they brought it back a few times, even as recently as they brought it back on, on, um, on Line Webtoon, like, in 2017 or 2018. Actually. I didn't click with the recent revival. Right. One, now, yeah, same. that didn't yeah. that didn't work for me. Yeah, it lasted I think twelve, fifteen issues, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you're you're doing your homework, reading the classics. Oh. Well, I had read this when it was coming out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the um, Sylvester was one that I tended to follow. Um, I mean, even the um, what the hell was the she story that uh, which played Sarah Pizzini's first appearance? Is that so? Um, I think it was Sarah Pizzini's first appearance. Uh, da, 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 da. That's not in the. I don't know. I was going to say she Vampirella, but I don't see Sarah Pizzini showing up in that. No, I don't think it was. Yeah, it was, I don't think it was. But yeah, so I mean, anything that he was. Um, because I mean, I, I I loved his Wolverine work, so I just I mean, yeah, I was, um, he was, I, they all, aside from you know Todd who was just doing Spawn and 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 Larson who was just working with with Savage Dragon, the the West Coast guys, whether it was you know Rob or or Jim or Mark, they were just they anything any idea that they had. They just yeah they, they they threw it on paper. So I mean they had all the spinoffs and everything like that. And I mean that that's that's where we got Top Cow so many books and and of course he had all the clone artists as derogatories that may be. But it, it's just you just had a bunch of um, a lot of lookalikes. But yeah, if if Mark was attached to something, um, I tended to follow him away from. You know, Cyberforce more so than um, I did with 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 Jim and um, no one who then moved over to or did, came up with authority or or, or anything else that uh, spun out of Wildcats. But yeah, I yeah, Mark Mark's just great. This may be sacrilege to, to I'm sure many, but I think Silvestri's work on Wolverine blows away his run on X Men. I, I agree. Know, I don't know whether it was. Well, we we had a really long talk about all our favorite Wolverine artists a year or two ago, and yeah, I mean, we all agreed that Sylvester's one of the all timers. Right, but yeah. I, I, that X Men run, I don't know if it's the the inking or the coloring. I I, it just, I love that run. So. It just did not do much for my eyes. Mm-hmm. But everybody's squinting, and they all look like you know <laughs> the mutant with no name. I, I don't know. I I don't I'm not I'm not disparaging the work. It's very good work. But for me, that that bright spot, that explosion of creativity for Silvestri anyway, is Wolverine. I think that run is just brilliant. It, I agree. It was uh Cyblade She, Battle of the Independence. Oh, there mm. you go. Yeah, yeah. Battle for Independence. So. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. The best thing I read this week. Oh, snap. Yep. Going in. And it's a back issue. I don't want to hear it. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, thumbing through the, the boxes at the local shop, and this was $2, and it's from a period that uh, 
I did not, in which I did not participate. IDW had the Disney license for a good number of years. And uh, for whatever reason, I just didn't buy in, right? So, so when I saw this issue for two bucks, and it features one of my favorite Uncle Scrooge foils, I had to get it. And it's Uncle Scrooge number 32. This is the IDW numbering now. The, and they are smart enough to put the legacy numbering on this cover, too. Mm. Legacy numbering is very important to Disney fans, Disney comic fans anyway. Right, Uncle Scrooge has has run for over four hundred and whatever. I don't know what the the latest numbering was. Uh, who even has the Disney license now? I don't even think there's a monthly Disney comic being published. It, it, it was IDW. You, then you it, don't know. We don't know. No, then it was Kaboom, uh, Boom, right? And then where, where not the to interrupt you, but further evidence that IDW is on its last legs. Uh, uh, Stancy Keisel just yeah. announced. I know. I saw that. Yeah, but yeah. well, I I would rather. Usagi be with Dark Horse. Like it seems just it just fits. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But anyway. Um so Uncle Scrooge number thirty two featuring one of my favorite Disney villains uh in relation to Uncle Scrooge, Magic of Dispel. Oh yeah. That sultry little raven haired sorceress vixen. I love her so much. But um, usually, uh, I've talked about Disney comics a million times here. Usually, they're anthologies, right? You get a bunch of yeah. stories. This one's a complete story in the issue. It takes one story, runs the entire issue. And it's written by Brian Erickson with art by Massimo Fecci. It is called Whom the Gods Would Destroy. And if you're a fan of mythology, especially Greek mythology... This story, it's amazing. The setup's real simple. The Beagle Boys are trying, once again, to get into Uncle Scrooge's money bin, right? And they're hungry, they're tired, they're living in a busted-up shack out in the woods. They're, they're, you know, they have no money. And, uh, you know, they walk into the cabin, and they're talking. They're, you know, like, like Johnny Blaze, woe is me, we have nothing we need to get into that damn money bin and there's a another beagle boy in the shadows sitting on a, a a ratty nasty old cot and it's really funny you know how the beagle boys have variations of the same number on their chests like uh one six seven seven six one and then it'll be one six right you know how it works the beagle boy on the cot is one seven six 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 Oh. And they're like, they're like, yo, who the hell are the you? Boys. How'd you get in here? And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This the Beagle Boy says, I have something in my bag that is going to change your lives, and you, with what I have in here, you can get into Scrooge's money bin. And the Beagle Boy six 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 pulls out a wand poof it's magic a dispel like no surprise she was disguised as a beagle boy um but she pulls out another wand and she says this here my my dudes is the wand of olympus and with it i can give you powers akin to those of the greek gods and heroes and the beagle boys are like what do tell and she's like well there, there, there may be a catch you know I, I really don't know how to turn it off once i apply the magic to you because i stole 
Well, I borrowed the wand from a really nasty wizard named Grimsor. Like, I just took it out from under him, and, you know, uh, he is despicable, at least so as much as I've heard. So uh, he's the only one who can reverse the spell. So once I apply this magic on you, you know, it's you're all in or you're not in at all. And they're like, all right, you know, we're hungry. We got to do this. So she waves the wand, right? She gives one Beagle Boy the speed of Hermes. She gives another the invulnerability of Achilles. Oh, nice. And the third, the strength of Hercules. So knowing Uncle Scrooge, he has his money bin uh, well guarded, well fortified. There's mines. I don't know how he pulled this off, but there's landmines in the lawn leading up to the money bin. There's a a plethora of defenses inside. So the Beagle Boy, imbued with the power of Hermes, just runs all across the the, the landscape, blowing up all the landmines, right? While they get in, they throw... the, the, The defenses are automated. So there's a ton of things thrown at the Beagle Boys. Long story short, the Hercules powered boy rips the door off the money bin and it's all there for the taking. They're in the freaking money bin. What? How did this happen? Right? But uh Magic of Dispels one stipulation is or was that uh, I'll give you this power, my dudes, but you gotta do something for me. And what do you think she wants? The only thing she wants out of that money bin. Uncle Scrooge's number one dime. That's that's what she always wants. That's her shtick. She's got to have that dime, yo. That's her shtick. And uh, but here's the here's the thing. The spell uses up a shit ton of energy. So the Beagle Boys start losing weight every time they use their powers. They expend a tremendous amount of energy, and they start losing weight, and they're ravenously hungry. They're they're like a third of their size midway through this story. So Gyro Gearloos comes in and he invents a pill that can you know stave off that that hunger uh, and the weight loss, but it's ridiculously expensive. And Scrooge, every time a Beagle Boy pops a pill. Scrooge is like, holy shit, I'm paying for this. Like, what the hell? <laughs> um, and so they, they have to get back to the sorcerer, Grimsor, so he can reverse the spell. Does it happen? I don't know. I think you should go back and maybe uh, pick up this here issue because uh, Fetchy draws a wizard. It is like the Disney version of Gandalf. It is amazing. Like, you see this realm in which um, Grimsor lives, and you see the castle, and there's a, a horse-drawn wagon, and the, the, the Grimsor is surveying the contents of the wagon, and then it, it's all, like, fantasy tropes within this little bracket of the story. Uh, this issue's just amazing. Like, when I got something ailing me, more often than not, Disney comics... The they, they're, the they're the tonic, right? And in particular, the Italian Disney artists are just amazing. Um, this is the first time this story was published in the United States. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Uh, and that was the deal. IDW did that. A lot of stories were brought over. Um, those uh, compilation volumes, the hardcover ones, they're amazing. And I, I grab those every time I see them. But with one hand, I caress. And the other hand, I got to give a little slap. Because mm. I read, yeah, I read another Uncle Scrooge. This issue is number one. This is the very first Uncle Scrooge issue that uh, IDW published. Now, when I say uh, to anyone who is a fan of the Disney Ducks in comic form, when I say Romano Scarpa, more often than not, anybody who knows is going to be like, yeah, that's my dude, Scarpa, he's amazing. And he is. But not in this story that leads off this issue. And I'm wondering, it may be like early in his career. Because one thing... uh, the majority of the Disney artists nail their on model all the time, right? They kind of have to be if they're doing Disney comics. Like, you got to mm-hmm. get the likenesses down. This is a story called um, Uncle Scrooge versus Giga Beagle, King of, <laughs> <laughs> King of the Robot Robbers. And mm-hmm. it was written by Rodolfo Semino with art by Romano Scarpa. Giorgio Cavazzano did the inks. So, you know, the inks are really good. Right. The the problem I have with with this story and it's the nephews are off model. It's just weird. Their heads are a little too big, a little too round. They have elongated necks. Uh, Scrooge at times looks really chubby. That's one thing I don't associate with Uncle Scrooge is being chubby. He, I mean, I'm going to type right. No, he's built like a bowling pin. Right. He's a little. He's a little large lower lower regions oh, right he's right, he's, right 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 um but the boys uh huey dewey and louie they just look off they look really strange and i'm not saying the art is not accomplished it just seems when something strays from the the traditional depiction i don't want everybody to draw like carl barks or don rosa or or van horn like that's every Disney artists has their very unique interpretation of the characters with which they're working, right? That's why mm-hmm. we love each artist for different things, right? Sure. But the Scarpa on these pages is not the Scarpa. That's actually in the back of the book. There is a uh, a story called Tinker Tailor Scrooge and Sly by Romano <laughs> that, that's drawn by Scarpa. And while the, the, the boys aren't in it, Scrooge is. And he's much more on model in this backup story than he is in the lead story. So, and the robot, the giant beagle boy robot, it's just uninspired. It's clunky. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. The, the shading is weird, and 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 uh, there's there's like a an anxiety to the to the shading that just it doesn't it doesn't sing like like almost all Disney stories do. One little detriment but uh yeah i i just enjoy the the hell out of disney comics uh i i always have and i think i always will it's the one thing that i can find like you know you're in a comic shop and you're looking around and you're like ah, i don't have that issue but i don't really feel like buying it right me you get wishy-washy sometimes right i will always pick up a disney comic that i don't have i will buy it right it, it's it's like i'm powerless to resist and this was just a whole bunch of fun. I bought some Gladstone issues. I got some 
boom issues that I didn't have, like two bucks a pop. How can I say no? Right? That's great. Yeah. You got to do it. Got to do it. Who doesn't love Magic of Dispel? If I was a cartoon character, I would be all over her. I would I would vie for her attention in a second. Is it creepy that I have a crush on a, a, a an animated, you know, a, a cartoon duck character? Maybe. Whatever. But she's nasty. And she's, you know, she's a magician. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Love it. Uh, um, Jason, if you would like to take a, a continued break, it's one of those rare instances where David and I actually read the same thing. Look at that. Well, first, just before you do that, let me just say something about your point about the ducks being an anthology. Yes. This is where my not being a savvy duck comic collected edition purchaser, I uh, a few months ago, I saw in the previews uh, uh, a duck collection that was uh, labeled uh, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yes. Oh, shit. I'm like, this is my shit right here. I'm all about this life. So I ordered it, came in, opened it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about to read this duck story about 20,000 Leagues and being involved. Nemo and shit is going to be dope. It's like one short story in the whole Yes. Yeah, I was crushed. That's a great... It was good, good, but I was thinking it was going to be like, you know, 40, 50 page adventure in Under the Sea, and it was not that. Yeah, but uh, have you read the entire volume? No. Because that's the, 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 the stories are all done by Dick Kinney and Al Hubbard. Yeah. That's, the volume is great. You got to read it. Oh, I'm it, not saying, I'm not just besmirching the quality of the work. I'm just saying I, I have a hard set on a long form adaptation of the, Yeah, that is, yeah. it's not that. I was thinking it was like Muppets movie style. Like it was I, be, I think if you blink, you miss the whole nautical angle of the one story. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's, it's, yeah. Pre, it's pretty quick. But you get some scamp, you get some Scrooge, you get some Donald. Like that's it's some a, scrimps. It's a wonderful some lobsters. I think it's a wonderful volume. Yeah. So you guys got a little tag team coming up here, then. We do. We do. Look at that. And it it's a uh, actually a continuation of a tag team because David and I are the only ones that have read this, and it's the third book in the series. We've read all of them. I don't believe I don't believe you have Jason, but that's okay. It's all right. It sounds like it's all right. Uh, you seem upset. Seems <laughs> no, it's all right. It's okay. Um, the book in question is, as as I have just said, the third in the uh, series of hardcovers produced by the wonderfully talented Annie Simon. Published by Fantagraphics. This book is called Boris the Potato Child. And it is it is the third after... Uh, the Song of Aglaia and Empress Ketixis, right? And is it the thickest so far? It is, yeah. It's definitely the... I and mean, it feels like it, it looks like it, but I don't know what the page pen is on the other two, so... It's not cheap, though. It's 30 bucks. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a hardcover. Uh, it's fanographic, so it's printed on beautifully textured paper. Uh, the book is all in black and white, which is wonderful. So, you know... What's the dilly, yo? Well, we're not going to get you all caught up on the uh, the saga of Aglaia, the one-time queen. If you want to go uh, hear about that, just go in the archives. Uh, we both talked about Empress Cathixis and Song of Aglaia before. Maybe we'll dig up the numbers before the show's over. But um, Boris the Potato Child. 
prick. Is the son? He's an asshole. He, I, I don't mind saying that. He, this kid is an asshole. Um, he is the son of Aglaya, who was once the queen of Barbara Ann, the kingdom Barbara Ann, uh, and she had my mother's name. She had a the, the 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 child in question was fathered by a rock man. Was it in the first volume, David? I'm pretty sure it was in the first volume. She got pregnant. Right? Yeah. But um, the former ruler, Victor von Krantz, was another asshole. It seems like everybody but Aglaya who ruled over this kingdom were assholes. Um, Boris has a, uh, a toy that seems to be possessed by the spirit of the one-time king, Victor von Krantz. It's... It's strange, may not make a whole lot of sense. It will make even less sense when I tell you that the kingdom was once um, guarded by an army of French fry women. Yes, anthropomorphic French fries with breasts. With breasts. With breasts. Yeah. And Aglaya had a gal Friday named Simone who was really the brains behind the operation. Like, Aglaya was was benevolent, but wasn't really savvy all that much in actually uh, the day-to-day uh, yeah. requirements of a queen. She was a figurehead. I mean, the place was better under her, but um, now her son, Boris, who treats his mom like shit, Calls her Airhead. Yeah, his, her name's not Aglaya anymore. It's Airhead, and uh, he just he relegates her to peeling potatoes. That's her job, to peel potatoes because the only thing Boris eats is French fries, right? So um, over the course of years, the the kingdom abandoned currency. Uh, they have a barter system, which is really great, and it, and it worked really well. That, uh, you know, if you're a, a gardener and you got a, a toothache, you go to the dentist and the dentist will do something for you in exchange for you tending to his yard, right? That's the barter system in action. That's how it works. Boris, on the other hand, sees an opening and he's going to fill it. So he starts selling. Well, he creates currency first. And wouldn't you know it, his face is on the bills. Uh, he creates currency, but without anything to actually buy, right? The the people have no need for it. So he starts selling French fries. And the, the citizens uh, get hooked on the French fries, where he starts making a, a good amount of money on these French fries. So not to, you know, rest with just making French fries, uh he starts making beer, you know, bread and circuses, right? This is the, the, the thing that you throw at your citizen, your citizens to, to make them complacent and seemingly happy and, and quiet. And uh, they start selling beer, and the beer goes really well with this French fry. So uh, over a course of pages, you see this, this once, I, don't, I won't call it an idyllic kingdom, but it was a lot better off. Bef- they were a lot better off before Boris got in. 
but people start fighting and corruption and prostitution start to to seep into the the the, the place and addiction becomes a problem because uh, prior to this you know they they may have had alcohol but it wasn't a commonplace thing but now when it's advertised to them and it's in the forefront of their consciousness certain people start using the alcohol as a means of escaping and behind the scenes simone is pissed she hates the fuck out of boris the potato child just despises the kid and and so the book is is basically um ann simon is a noted feminist right the, the, these are called feminist works for some reason. I haven't really... I mean, the women characters are, are very strong, and especially Simone is... She questions everything thrown at them by the, by the higher-ups. But uh, So over a period of, of pages, it's basically Simone and company trying to overthrow the evil Boris and his bullshit. So why would I recommend this book? <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. It's amazing. The uh, well, having read these characters for for now three volumes, I feel like it's it's a welcome occurrence when they they enter my life again. That's how well written this thing is. Um, it's not for children, although it does read like a cautionary fairy tale. Right in some spots, I think there's a, a very much a fairy tale aspect to it. Uh, there's uh, again we I, we mentioned this the last time and probably time before that. Simon seems to have a Beatles fetish. Yes, because there's a lot of um, asides uh, where a character will start singing a song by the Beatles or um, characters named. Uh, the same as Beatles characters and, you know, uh, lovely Rita. And so it, there, there are Beatles connections in this book. If, if you tend, if you want to find them, but I think it, this one is the saddest of, of the three because Aglaya is just, she's deteriorating because all, all he, she's, she's mentally abused by her son. Uh, he, he uses her as, as, uh, Nothing more than labor. Like he really, I, I would say he hates his mom, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean he's he he's verbally abusive. He uh, he, you know, she all she, you know, she'll she'll make the French fries and she'll say, oh, this batch seemed to come out really good. I hope you're enjoying them. And he like snatched the rest of them from her plate. And he's like, you don't get a French fries anymore. They're he all won't mine. let her eat. He won't even let his mother eat. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, no, you know, he's he's, he's 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 a shit of a son, and he's just a horrible little potato and <laughs> he's a, he's a horrible <sighs> potato <laughs> it is true i it, just it's 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 he, it's just it's watching a, a kingdom disintegrate and in some cases it might hit a little close to home these days but it is it's it's just uh you just want to see people get what's coming to them and uh yeah but it is it's it's very female forward which is it's a great thing it's um you know nobody the you know not 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 that men are treated um shown as weaklings or anything like that but they're in, in, in a lot of the 
they take a backseat to a lot of it. It is, it, which, which is fine. It, it's not, it's not their story. So, well, it's, it's, the only, I think the, the 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 main character is a man, and all the other male characters are, they're either like the the the, the beer making guy. He's pretty much treated like a slave. Yeah, yeah. And he's, the chef was was uh, seen as like a, a nincompoop back in the the previous volume right yeah yeah and and, and, and you know the, the horse boys and everything the the circus is just like you know it is is forgotten about and it's um but I, the art is fantastic the pages are packed some pages have you know what uh there's there's like 10 panels on a page with uh two taller panels at the start and end of the page and uh eight squared off panels moving the story along i mean you you you're definitely it was weird it, it's i don't want to say it's not a quick read even though no it's it not it didn't take me long to go through it but it it it's just but there's so much to to feast your eyes on it's it's it, it's and then there's some some pages where there's no panel borders it's almost like you know it's an open air comic strip um but it it, it was it's it's not a trilogy the story is going to continue but um yeah I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going from here but it, it there's there's you know it's nice to know that something we started a few years ago um is continuing as as often as we get we get a volume and, and it, you know it, it, it's translated from the french um and it's uh this i think was yeah i think this was originally published in uh in 2018, so um, a couple years behind, but that's that's fine. It, it's it really is just um, it's great. I like been saying it's it's amazing. I just I don't understand the illustrations that lead off the chapters. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't they, I don't like under, I don't like get magazines or something. But they're they're borderline pornographic. Right, the first couple I thought like were were kind of like lead-ins or, or or a hint of what the chapter might be about, like Boris being um, you know swaddled by uh, by the soldier, and um, I just thought that that was that made sense. But then some of the other ones where you, I mean, you've got the soldiers working in the uh, with the beer. And, you know, one of them is holding up Boris, who seems to have, like, a fox tail or something. It's, but, yeah, you're right. They're, they're, they're a little... It's almost like they're, they're pinups, just, you know, random... They're, they're very suggestive. Like, like in, yes. Boris has an attraction to one of the, the, the French fry warrior um, women. And she, she's depicted in one illustration with a stack of bills, and she's... she's her head and shoulders are in in shadow and she's just like counting the bills but her legs are spread towards the the yeah. viewer and you yeah. see Boris's head smack dab in the sweet spot like yeah. and you can't tell if he's like staring between her legs or like it it's just it's an uncomfortable um, probably intentionally so but the for the 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 narrative doesn't depict um women in a in a a cheesecakey or or exploitative way but the illustrations that open the chapters kind of do right even simone towards the end 
there's an illustration of her with like her shirt. You could see through her shirt. You oh, I love that picture. You can yeah, see her bra, and it's like that's it's, it's weird. She's got a big old butt, like, yeah. but that's not well, depicted in. Yeah, she. It's well, people don't think she's attractive in the story. They call her ugly. Yeah, well, that's ugly. People call her ugly. But I mean, there's the, the female fry warriors in the 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 brewery, and they're they're lean leaning into machinery, and their asses are all up in the air. Like it's just weird. I don't I don't understand the the decision to put those illustrations before the each chapter. Maybe it it she did it to cause this kind of you know. Um, discussion or, or maybe even consternation it's just like it doesn't seem it's not a work that exploits the female form yet those illustrations clearly do which is why i'm i'm curious as to why they were included i don't know but it's awesome it's a really cool series it really is yeah. i don't know why what made me bite the first volume way back when it was released but i'm glad i did because this is i don't know what i would do without this this world because it's i shouldn't say it's fun because you're basically watching a society crumble <laughs> but, yeah 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 it i think it, it's it's a um a cautionary tale of just how easily the masses are manipulated right and hey, we'll give them something good to eat and they'll spend their money on it oh wait a minute we'll give them liquor and get them all hopped up on the the hooch and they'll be pliable and and even more easily manipulated. It's just, but it just goes to show what someone with malicious intent can do right. to a, an entire group of people. That's the thing. Everything was fine. Everything. Everybody was happy. Everybody was content. The 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 people of the land were just living life. And here comes Boris. This this greedy. I don't even want to call him manipulative, but he's just, he's... He's a narcissist. Hungry. He's a narcissist. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, for somebody who doesn't care about his dad, um, you know, he seems to have no problem uh, lording over people, but it's, he's just... I don't... A horrible thing. I don't understand how a reptilian-type female mated with a rock and gave birth to a potato. <laughs> so weird it's so strange yeah, the whole thing yeah. is but i it, love it it's yeah, no it, it's a um it is it's it's it may not depending on your mood you may you know throw the book across the room because it's not yeah. something you necessarily want to read but yeah. um but i like christopher i mean speaking of you know the the, the whole beatles motif, yeah but he's a uh, cross between a blue meanie and uh the cat bus yeah yeah uh but no i think we got a little bit more of because the first two books with the whole um royalty angle we were kind of for the most part um sheltered in in the castles and and just focused on the people in those stories and and in this third book we get more of the people of of the land of Barbara Ann, and 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 yours just it it's 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 more open. It's just uh, you're seeing more of what the effects Boris had, and and it's um, it's sad though because Aglaya doesn't even remember she was queen. She yeah. did, she she's she comes into proximity with someone who was actively fighting against her, 
and she doesn't even remember them. Like she's just like, oh, hi. Yeah, the per- yeah. So 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 Sabine and 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 Julie were two of the soldiers that were you know because once once the war was over and 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 the soldiers are kind of like deserters and no no war to fight anymore. So they all kind of just those that didn't die all kind of just moved away. And and these two were living in this cave, and that's when Boris finds them. And um, Sabine absolutely um, despises um, Agelia, and and it doesn't even know that uh, it's it's just it's a weird relationship because in another world or another life they would have she, she would have wished airhead dead and here she is like basically friends with her peeling potatoes with her and um airhead not remembering that she was the queen and and it, it's just it's it's yeah, it's like you said it is it's it is sad in some parts um yeah it's pretty sad i think the, the ending is great though because the bookend yeah i don't i don't want to spoil it for those who no, i'm know. not but it is but it, it, it as it began so shall it end well for him anyway yeah um as far as the art i see a little bit of you know roll doll in it a little jules pfeiffer yep uh some clibben uh it's it, maybe maybe a little charles adams here and there but it's uh i think it's it's magnificent it's it's really uh it, it's a very much from a different path as far as the stuff we usually read Mm-hmm. And it, I welcome it for that because it just, um, it's just, it's part um, fairy tale, part, uh, uh, I mean, fairy tales were mostly, a lot of them were grim, uh, uh, pun intended, um, and, and dark, you know, and I think this, this fits the bill in that sense. But uh, it also has tendrils into current events. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a wonderful read. Give it a mm-hmm. shot. Boris the Potato Child, little fucker, uh, from Fanographics by Annie Simon. It's great. I'm listening to y'all talk about this. I'm real surprised Dap likes it because you have such a disdain for petulant children. Oh, but he he's an asshole and he gets, well, I won't say. No, but Dap hates asshole kids. But he's not in, he wasn't, Boris wasn't in all of them. This is just the latest volume. There was, oh, okay. Yeah, there were no children. Uh, right, prior. yeah, yeah. It's not like Boris was a, was a character in all the books or following his story. This was... Okay. Yeah, no. Gotcha. It's a legacy, Jason. It's a legacy volume. It's a child of a previous character. <laughs> right on. Right on. <laughs> no, I mean, it sounds freaky, but, you know, this is that this is definitely one of those books, given how uh, surreal it sounds, that you, you have to experience. You can't, you know... Oh, it's hard. Yeah, it's really yeah, hard. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think there's not like it's hard to like there's no tether. I, I can't like I, I you know kind of just fly by the seat of my pants hearing about the different things you're talking about. You well, know? it's hard to encapsulate everything that has happened up until this point, and there's really no reason to do it. We're talking about this book, but to really get the full effect of this book, you have to have read the previous two. You have to see, well, imagine, you know, Aglaia's struggle to overcome the, the queen, and then she becomes the queen, and now, in a sense, she almost has Alzheimer's. She doesn't remember, and mm-hmm. she she's uh, she's uh, physically uh, like a just a, a a shade of what she was. So it's yeah, in a lot of ways, it's not fun time at the beach. You know, it, yeah. it's it's a hard read, but I, you're pretty open to to 
Oh yeah, I, yeah, I think I you would like this. Hearing you guys talking about it didn't make me think oh, I wouldn't read that at all. I, right, I just completely. Other than when you guys talked about on the show, it's completely out of my. It just doesn't ever seem to catch my my gaze. I don't know. Well, I think the next time that Fanagraphics has their sale, then yeah, you, should, call. you should scoop it. Um, and I didn't mention uh, Brian Erickson, the guy who wrote the the Scrooge story that I just talked about. He wrote War of the Dragon Lords. Remember we talked about that. Yep. Not too long ago, so but a boom. Yeah. So a few months ago, uh, we waxed poetically and lovingly about the X Mag uh, anthology, X Mag Four Mecca to be exact, uh, by Piao Studio. Yes. We all loved it. It was great. And I, I look very much look forward to X Mag Five. I assume it'll be coming soon enough, right? Um but I'm going back to the Piao Studio this week. I think four is the last, by the way. But oh, is it really? Yeah, I think so. Why? Because they weren't doing well. No, I just think they decided to to end it at four. I I, I think this volume was touted as the last one in the oh, series. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you are. Um, Sorry. Well, that's all good. Um, but I love our community. You know, we 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 read lots and lots of stuff. We we buy and try lots and lots of stuff. Obviously, with each other, we turn we turn our each other onto things. Our crew in the Slack turn us on the things sometimes. But uh, in this case, I have to give credit to uh, a longtime listener and friend of the show who's not a Slack member, though, but is still active on the uh, EOC Facebook group. Because as you guys know, I every week after uh, after we post the episode, I also do a little thing in the Facebook group, best thing I read this week, and talk about a book that I enjoyed very much, and then hoping that will prompt others to share the thing that they read that they like the most. And uh, credit to Mr. Mark Dunn, who I did. I think he has great taste. He always has really interesting things to say. But um, Mark, uh, I, I don't know if it was a week or two ago in in the thread, mentioned that the best thing he had read was a brand new book by uh, Linnea Sterte. And that's uh, her name is L I N N E A S T E R T E, called A Frog in the Fall. And later on, and he posted the the book itself, and he talked about it a bit. Um, and then he mentioned that uh, this was her second graphic novel and that uh, her first came out a few years ago and was called Stages of Rot. And he said that that one was about a, uh, a whale in outer space who becomes the, uh, the center point for the evolution of lots of species of life over a millennia. And he was like, I don't know if the fact that it's got a dead will in it is going to be a turn off or a turn on for Woodrow, but I wanted to mention it. So Totally out he, of your wheelhouse. Totally he, out. Yeah, so I, told, I was like, whoa, okay, so let me check these out. So I went to PL Studios, and uh, they had them both. Um, these are not readily available like on the Amazons, for the record, I don't think. You do, you do, would need to go to PL just like with the X-Mags. But, uh, but I, I, they were both still in print, and I... I um, no, I wasn't surprised that Frog in the Fall was still in print because it just came out, but but uh, but Stages of Rot was still available. So I ordered them both a couple weeks ago, and they arrived this week. Uh, and I read them, and I have to tip my cap to Mark because he crushed it with these recommendations. Um, so both written and drawn by the same person, as I mentioned, uh, Linnea Sterte, but very, very different books. Um, a Frog in the Fall, which is the one that just came out, is a lovely story. And, you know, over the years... People know that every now and then we talk about uh, a certain type of, of book, a certain slice of life type book. I will uh, often um, reference my affinity for Kerouac and uh, in particular uh, Dharma Bums, which I just love. And and sometimes a book will just give me that same feel, that same vibe, you know, 
Um, and this this definitely fits that bill. Um, the book, as you might imagine, features a frog because the book is called A Frog in the Fall, and it's 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 a very chill story. Uh, it's essentially they go on an adventure, not dissimilar to like like Tom Sawyer, maybe uh, for those that are familiar with that kind of concept. But but it basically is a, a an unnamed minor frog. They call him a minor frog because he's young, uh, and two older toads. And um, the toads are vagabonds. They're uh, hobos, you know, with the with the stick on their back and and and, their, and everything that they own in a in a tied up in a little a little blanket around the stick. And 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 they're they're heading for wherever they are now to uh, what they call the tropics for the winter. And uh, little man, the minor frog, is like, oh, bet I I want to come with I want to come with you. You know, um, he had ne- he's never this would be his first winter. He hasn't lived through winter yet. So he he tags along, and the book is essentially their journey. Um, and the beauty of it is the mundane, the small details. Um, there's not a lot to this other than them just making this trek. Um, but there'll be moments in the book that are um, just delightful in 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 how ordinary in the pleasure that they take out of the ordinary. You know, um, like a like a potluck meal. Uh, based on some food that they foraged, right? Which, as you, you know, I know you're a big Kerouac fan, fan of it. You know, it's like Kerouac, right? Like he would spend, you know, so many words just talking about like making a bowl of rice, you know, or or just just because it was like those those little moments of life that we take for granted that were kind of like he was obsessed about, and that's what this reminded me of. You know, a fireside conversation about the joys of life or getting older, like they're sitting at the at the shore looking out in the ocean, just talking about the passage of time and how friends come and go and just like little things like that. Very pleasant. Generally, there are moments that are, that are theoretically dangerous, but, but they get through them easily enough for the most part. Um, it's just an acceptance of, of, of like the small place that like, you know, the protagonists themselves play in the grand scheme and like how, how, how fine they are with that. Like they're totally at peace with who they are and the journey of their lives and they're not really worried about anything grander and, 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 and don't, they don't concern themselves with what they don't have or what they might be missing out on. They just really appreciate what they do have and what they are doing and the journey they've been on. And, um, it was just delightful, you know, and, and, and it hit me right. Um, and, and the thing too about this is this book design wise is a masterpiece. Uh, I'll try and post pictures, but it's, it's, it is a, um, so when you look at the book, like as I'm holding it, it looks like it's 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 in a slipcase, um, and the slipcase is uh, vertical. So you have to slide the book from you have to push it up to the top or fall out from the below. But when you do that, the book itself is meant to be read landscape, and it's uh, it's stitch bound. Vince, I know you're a fan of the different. It's stitch bound. So the ba- so the binding almost looks like at first when I saw it, it almost looked like it was going to fall apart because it, like it doesn't really even look like it's bound, but it's because it's stitch bound and there's six different stitches. And what that does is it allows each of the pages to lie completely flat. Nice. Uh, which is so there's no gutter, which is really really nice. Which it's rare to see in a comic, right? Um, and the visuals are relatively simplistic, not similar to what you'd see from like a children's storybook. Um, for the most part, and what I mean by that, for the most part, is that on a lot of pages, it's just uh, a couple of characters doing what they're doing. So it might be the three frogs and and a fire, right? Or it might be uh, one of the frogs talking to a cat. It's it just things like that. But 
But uh, there's tons of white space on the pages, and it is in many ways formatted like a storybook in that um, the the text is generally separate from the images. So there'll be on the left side there might be some text, and then that will coincide with the images you're seeing on the right side, or vice versa. Um, but yeah, it was just just really beautiful, and I I didn't. I was completely unaware of this, so really credit to Mark. I know then subsequent to, to my buying it after Mark recommended it, a few people on the Slack did mention it or post pictures of it, so I know some of them were already up on this too. But uh, but it was really lovely, just a feel-good story. Uh, and, and so if you're into life's little journeys, life's little moments, especially, or, or like the Kerouac vibe, that, that that's like you're going to love this, I really do think. Um, now, what's interesting is the... Uh, Stages of Rot, which was her first graphic novel published back in 2017, is just diametrically different in the approach because her first this book, Stages of Rot, is 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 so grand in scale. Um, whereas whereas A Frog in the Fall takes a look at at maybe a, a month, a couple weeks to a month's time of of three little characters. This uh, Stages of Rot is is uh, a, a story that that shows us the evolution of society and space over thousand plus years. Um, the premise does involve a whale, uh, but it is a space whale. It looks just like a, a whale we might see in the ocean, but it's out in space, um, and the whale is uh, is killed pretty quickly on um, by some some people, uh, and then the book is broken up into five chapters that uh, are that that are completely separate from one another for the most part, but they center around the fact that the carcass of the whale is this is the center point for what's going on. So first chapter is called Flesh Eaters, and you've got, that's where you see the whale get killed, and you see a very warlike alien species, humanoid, but 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 alien-looking, something you might see in Star Trek, um, with, with spears and, like, flying around on these other creatures and, and fighting each other, and, and they're, they're, they, they invade the, um, uh, uh, the invade the the um, whale to take its heart, uh, and they also come across uh, this this ethereal, uh, large like like a very almost looks human sized uh, woman, uh, female looking I shouldn't say woman but like a female looking form that uh, that that they refer to as the whale's pilot, and they 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 run a spear through her and kill her, uh, all in this melee, and uh, and then we cut away to. The next chapter is called Bone Cutters, and this is sometime much later, and it mentions that uh, the whale carcass has now had molds and fungus growing on it, and so it's covered in all different fungi and, and the like, and there's what looks to be a more established peaceful society, but very primitive. Um, there are people that are taking parts of the bone and carving it into toys for children to play with. The children are eating the molds and the fungus, uh, and it's just really a window into this relatively primitive but peaceful society's existence um then the next chapter is called barbarian so it's almost as if like in human history you go to the dark ages and you've got a war going on you've got these raiders and they seem to be heading for some kind of space convent because there's nuns and this work gets really freaky because the nuns um basically are uh are made aware of the impending invasion by these space hummingbirds that fly up and and, and essentially stick their beaks into a hole in the nuns' heads, and and it kind of downloads with them everything that's going on, and that alerts the nuns. So they they open up some like organic chambers. Now come these space caterpillars, and the caterpillars build a 
uh, weave a cocoon around the, around the convent, and uh, which is the whale, by the way. Um, and and so there's this cocoon around it, and then from the cocoon hatch these giant butterflies who defeat the raiders, and uh, and and. and the nun, but but still, it's a it's a battle, so it kind of lays waste to 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 their their convent and whatnot, and and so the the nuns plant a seed and then they fly away and move on, and then we have uh, the fourth chapter is called Entomologist, which is um, the most like Earth like in that it's it's developed again, it's lush. There are very human looking people in this case. There's uh, there's there's Earth like animals in on on the grounds thriving, um, and and there are a group of men that are um, like treasure hunters, I guess. And I keep saying, I guess, or like, because th- there's not much text in this. It's, it's almost all visual. So there is, you're leaving some to interpretation here. Um, but it looks like they're treasure hunters of sorts, and they're questing for what they're referring to as her, which appears to be in the whale's uh, amygdala. Um, and then the final chapter is called Exhibition. Uh, they They... Whoever is is living there now, they they find a woman uh, in in the head of the whale, and it's the same woman from the first chapter who had been speared. So it was like the carcass of a woman. But then these crazy spider creatures come out, and they build her a new body, and then they take the built the woman's in her new body, and they bring her to some kind of palace, and she comes back alive, and she flies off without saying anything, and 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 finds another whale, and and goes into it through its eye. Like their eye hole, and presumably, I guess, becomes the pilot of this new whale now. So it goes full circle, but like none of the chapters outside of that full circle closure have anything to do with one another, other than that they center around the whale corpus. Um, and it was so strange, but so poetic. Like it'd be the way that it started and began all in one full circle. So it kind of does talk about the circle of life, but through the eyes of like a millennia long alien world where physics and the laws and the types of people and, and the way they interact are very different from what we might experience. So just a really bold, and to think this is her first graphic novel, like an incredibly bold uh, um, uh, endeavor. And, and I have to say, I'm really surprised that we never came across this before because uh, on the cover it mentions that she won um, the uh, gold, she was the gold winner for the Awards of Ex- Excellence at MOCA in 2017. Um, and this was also nominated for an Eisner um, in the 2018 Eisners. So shame on me for not having noticed this before. But I'm so glad that uh, that's the beauty of comics, right? You, you think you get everything covered and you just don't. Um, so really, really pleased that I was able to discover this uh, this person's work. And I yearly anticipate her third graphic novel because uh, her first two are just awesome. And I love how different they are from one another, both in structure and format. I mean, she's clearly the kind of creator who gives thought to not only the story she's about to tell and draw, but also the format, how it should be presented, the layout. Um, you know, this book, as I said, is largely, it's not completely wordless. There, There's one or two words here and there, every other page or two, but it's largely two and four panel grids, um, different color schemes to fit each of the chapters, which are different parts of, of the existence, um, much more detailed than the uh, the new one, um, you know, fully formed pages with backgrounds and layering, color and shading, um, but but really terrific. In I mean, both just just stark starkly different, but also terrific. So uh, huge huge thumbs up to to Mark Dunn for putting me on uh, Miss Linnea Sterte. Two things. Mm-hmm. One, you're costing me money. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, Mark Dunn's cost me money. 
Okay, thanks, Mark. Uh, and two, David, I hate to see if his tooth wasn't bothering him. <laughs> like, if I had a penny a word, <laughs> man, I, I'd be mega bucks right now. That was awesome. Well, listen, man. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be here. I'm not gonna, you know. Wow. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited, man. You know, it's, I think so. To, to, to find a new creator that you that's been doing doing their thing for a while, and then you're like, wait, what? Why have I not been on this? I I really appreciate it and love it when an illustrator not only takes note of this but um, embraces it. And there's a lot of texture in this work, like a crazy amount of texture. And I'm just looking at, at a lot of the examples from both of these books. It seems that um, there's, I don't want to use that G word because everybody uses that word. It's not grit, it's texture, right? There, There's a, a versatility going on with each panel that I really like a lot. And it, 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 the drawing is wonderful, but I love the fact that there's also texture incorporated it into it too. It looks mm-hmm. like it almost looks like it was risograph printed, but probably not. I'll leave that to you. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I just think they look really nice, and I love that they uh, that she uh, also uh, gave a big old bear hug to the slipcase. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. It's my jam. Yep. Wow. So, uh, cool. Um, I'll send you the bill. Oh, no problem. (laughs) All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here again. We'll be back next week. Remember, if you want to check out uh, what everybody's talking about, and that's the Patreon. Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics, one one no apostrophe. I'll say it again. Audio, video, images, uh, Patrons get an extra three, four, sometimes more hours each month of uh, just just audio stuff. Uh, polls, you get to vote or contribute, I should say, to the book of the month. And there's that there Slack channel that's open. The doors are open all the time. It never closes. So uh, check it out. Patreon.com, 11 o'clock comics. Uh, I uh, looked at the list, my dudes. And I see a book on there that you that you both read that I I need need to know how it connected. Connected with us? Yes, I already told them how it connected with me. This is my in your travels is to satiate my curiosity and tell me that wow. how did you feel after reading the best thing published this year so far? How'd you feel? I kind of want a tattoo of Arthur. Right? Okay. And his little dinkle. His oh little dinkle. He's dangling. No, David, I already, I can assume that you enjoyed it. I just, I, I need, I need. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why, why, do you, why do you assume he enjoyed it? Because, because he and I usually are, are very copacetic when it comes to things like this. I, I, tell me what you thought. Me. Yes, you. <laughs> well, first of all, for those that, that maybe, I don't know why they wouldn't have listened last week, but, but Vince is referring to Curse of the Chosen, Volumes 1 and 2. Don't go, don't, don't go too much into 2, because I'm only halfway through it. Oh, oh what? You've uh, heard of, what? 
No, I'm not devouring this thing. I, I this is written and drawn by. You Alexis. read the first one like in a, in, a, in an afternoon. I know, but that's the thing. I learned my mistake. I I should have relished it and savored each and every panel of the first one. Where I, just, I went right well, through it. Sounds it and then, like Dap and I are for, further further along in the in the journey than you because yes. I read both of them in one sitting. Yes. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh, and nice. That's why I read the whole thing. I read fucking volumes one and two in one sitting. You I don't have to and, swear. Swearing's not. Oh, long. stop. Go ahead. Well, damn, now I can, well, I, I, I don't even know how I can talk about it now if you've finished it, but... but well, you can, um, you don't have to get into the, the, the pertinent details of the second volume. Just tell me about the first. I don't even remember where, where the one left off and in in, where the second the, one began. The, it's like fir- the, the wife, first the one... Watching, the, the wife is uh, is not rewatching. She's watching Game of Thrones right now, and she's like, oh, I remember this part, and I'm like, well, I don't remember, like, the sequencing, I remember this stuff happens, but I don't remember which season something happens in which season. I just remember it oh, happens. Well, okay, the first one ends with the conclusion of the second part of the challenge. The third, oh, okay. the yeah. third one is all the 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 second book is all the last challenge. So, yeah, uh, Eo's in a bad way. Niope's getting increasingly more powerful and younger looking. Um, the 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 asshole uh, Nemus is is. He did something really bad at the end of the first book and seems to have, uh, yes, he's he's getting somewhere in the second one. But so keep going. Tell me. Well, I mean, um, I don't want to be repetitive to what you said last week, but I mean, certainly it it's I'm always I can understand why you were a, a little curious or worried that i might not love it because fantasy can hit or miss for me exactly yeah um but no but but this had a lot of things outside of the fantasy setup that that were going to work for me right which is um i mean it's not like a pure like getting a gang together but like i just love that conceit of getting to know characters you know and 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 their motivations and and so in many ways that's what this is right because you're you know you've got this cast of characters that are now being forced into this grand competition and 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 we're going to learn about them uh, some much more than others but we're going to learn about them um so i love that um i mean this is uh, i don't want to make you cringe but like this is for people that haven't read it yet i mean this is like squid game in a fantasy setting you know i mean basically you've got You've got uh, all these people that are chasing a prize, which, um, but what what most of them don't know is that is that the, if they lose the prize, they're dead. You know, um, a few of them know that, but most of them do not know that. At least, at least to the point where Vince is right up to. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was really it was it no, was I, awesome. I mean, I read the part. That? I read the part where, like I said, I don't remember what left off and what didn't. But no, yeah, the, I, the 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 person screaming from the the uh, the cell. I read that part. Oh, that happens. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but, um, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought the stakes were certainly grand enough. I thought the ways with which the different contestants that get far progress through the story is super logical, but also really like things that you read early on in the book that you almost view as throwaways or come back, you know, it's like a well-booked, like to use a wrestling parlance, it's well-booked, um, all those little interactions that that you you may have take, taken as one off or just random are paid off uh as the book goes on they all have meaning um so yeah i mean i i, I thought it was terrific I, I i thought the art was definitely um you know one of the tricks with a book like this 
which I've definitely had endured on the other side is that it can be tough sometimes when you have so many characters involved in a story like this and and this is not a world that you're already steeped in like if say a Marvel or DC story where you've been reading this stuff for decades that you have trouble telling who's who right or like you know like oh I don't remember and but but to to Deacon's credit um that never happens here um not only are the character uh the character figure studies distinctive but the the clothing is distinctive to their purposes so it's never there was never a moment where i didn't know exactly who was who right and i i do think that is a that is a an accomplishment you know i really do one of the uh, one of the testaments of a great character designer is if you can recognize the character solely by silhouette it's yeah, a right. it's a good design and mm-hmm. you can do that with these characters yeah absolutely um and it's just super fast paced, man. Like it's nonstop. I mean, basically, it's like they they hit go on the stopwatch for this quest, and it's it's full blown go until until it's resolved, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and and I have to say too, the and I'll have to be vague here because you haven't read it, but the 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 conclusion and the the ending of the contest is extremely satisfying. Um, so yeah. It was, Terrific! I wish to, I wish we could get more. But nice. That would be hard. That would be hard for. I mean, I don't see that happening because stop. Again, <laughs> but uh, but you know, but theoretically, that world could live on. It's so. Game of Thrones all over again. Now I know how your wife felt. Dap. Uh, no man. It, it's I think the first book. As much as I enjoyed, or the first volume, as much as I enjoyed those those, those first two books and, and setting everything up and getting to know everybody, um, I think volume two, uh, the will that shapes the world. I mean, that was just from start to finish. It's it it's just moving, and it's it, you, you, I'm turning pages to keep up with what's going on, and I just I I the art was a little. Um, a little more uh, refined is not the right word, but it 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 it. it and I don't want to say just an improvement because the first book looks great, also. But the art does the, does look a little um, very. I don't know. I don't know if there was a delay between all three books, but um, I think the uh, the art in in the last chapters um, is a little a uh, little cleaner, at least to my eye. But uh, just. I I couldn't stop reading it. I just I I had to see how this contest was going to wrap up and 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 how our heroes or in some cases not so heroes were going to uh, face this challenge and and overcome it. And you know you you want to see good over evil. And uh, there's 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 a lot of that in in this. Um, it was. It is absolutely fantastic. I, it's something where I think, um, in a few weeks, I'm probably going to take my time and just right go over it again, just yep. because I it, it's there is I, I I am trying to. It's almost like if you were watching if you're watching a movie where there's so much happening, and you know you'll in your rewatch you'll see what was going on in the background of another room or something. It, it's just it, there's there's a lot 
to take in and and there's the there's scene jumps and there's you know we're picking up where these characters were and uh it's it it's it's incredibly well done it, it the pacing is fantastic um the writing is great the like you've already talked about the character design but it it's absolutely um you know the, the whole the whole idea i mean you know we've this isn't the, the the concept isn't necessarily isn't necessarily new, especially new to us. I mean, we read contest champions, but it, it's there's just things where um, I appreciate I appreciate the the design of it, the look of it, and how it takes that idea and um, puts it in a, in a setting you may be familiar with, with the whole um, fantasy medieval times with the castle and uh, but. Um, as far as the stakes and uh, and and what the characters have to do and overcome, um, it makes for a hell of a ride. It I 100% recommend it. I think uh, it's it's something that I am going to very happily keep on my shelf. I uh, yes. a huge thanks to Tony and Nobrow and and Flying Eye Books, but uh, this was I yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you'll recommend he- 100%. You'll hear more about it when we all vote it for, for Book of the Year on the 11 o'clock Oscars. But <laughs> uh, the, one of the, the beelines to my heart was you could tell that, well, I can tell that Deacon is well-versed in the mechanics of magic. Yeah. With the will being preeminent and... Uh, yeah, life magic, death magic. Yeah, it's a, that, yeah. that was just like butter because that's the system on which all of this world works, right? Yeah. But I almost don't want to say this because, you know, it's the typical comment when someone enjoys something in one medium and they say, oh, that would make a great animated film. But you know what? This one really would, right? When EO pops out the friggin' kite, that scene would be incredible. With mm. with Oh, man, I don't even want to think about it. But the the medium in which it's... It, it it exists is phenomenal. I so I shouldn't say what I said, but I stand by it. It would it would translate very well to uh, film or or animation, which is really film. Um, so it's just it's just nuts how good these books are. It mind boggling to me, and they just came out of nowhere. Yeah. So I guess that's my your travels by way of all of us. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's uh, Oliver in travel. Yeah, cool. I love it when the plan comes together. All right, everybody. We will be back next week. We hope you join us because we'll be waiting for you. In the meantime, go read some comics. Go be good to your loved ones and everybody else. And say goodnight. Oh, go to the dollar store and buy more cheap monsters and robots and G.I. Joe guys. E-A-G-L-E-S. David. Good night. Watch him screw up. Watch. <sighs> screw up. Oh. And we're back on the Goonie boat. Jesus. <laughs> captain, captain of the Goonie boat. David. <laughs> You're so bad. <laughs> ah, good Lord. Did you? Oh, did you say it? I did. Nice. I'm going to give that I'll give that one to you. I, oh, I was in the in the throes of a clempt. Yeah, come back next time because we love you so much. Tell them that. Do it. Yeah, I love you a lot. 
You know what to do. NYCC. Boy. I mean, at least Dapp and I are going to go. I don't know about you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm exerting my will right now, and he's still not a frog. So how does that happen? <laughs> Just walk in right real close behind me. I'll slip by my, my pass to you when uh, we get I'll, through. I'll go in your pocket. Oh, okay. All right, Arthur. What's this? <laughs> Bye. That's it for that one. <laughs>